Your County 911, Dispatcher 89. Uh, yes, I'm uh, Pete Thomas of the Frandy Golf Club at Dover Township. Mm -hmm. uh, we have a tough situation here with a group of golfers that decide they don't want to abide by the rules. And that they're telling me that that I can't tell them what they have to do as far as the rules and then uh -huh. just like, we're going to play this course, we don't care what you say. Okay. So, I need to talk to an officer. Okay, you want an officer to come out there, or you just want to file a call? I, I do. Yeah, I want to okay. come out. Okay. Are you the manager? What you heard there was a call from April 21, 2018. It comes from York, Pennsylvania. It's a city just under two hours west of Philadelphia, only about an hour north of Baltimore. The man making the call, his family owns a golf club. He's white, and he's calling the police to come deal with an issue on his course. If that sounds unusual, that's because it is. And if that sounds like there's way more to this story, that's because there is. The women involved, they're the golfers the man was complaining about, they say their only crime that day, golfing while black. I'm Daniel Rappaport, and this is Local Knowledge, a Golf Digest podcast that takes a deep dive into the most compelling stories in the world of golf. A quick note before we get into today's episode. Look, we simply can't do a story about race and golf without acknowledging what's going on in this country. Protests around the nation after yet another killing of a black man at the hands of police officers. Now, by one view, those scenes in city streets across this country have nothing to do with the game we love. But if you look closer, and crucially, if you listen, you'll realize those protests aren't just about how black people are treated by police in this country. They're about how black people are treated in any number of different settings. At school, in the workplace, in stores, and yeah, on the golf course. Now, this is not to equate what happened in the story that follows of the Grandview Five to what happened to George Floyd, but they're not unrelated. Racial tension in this country, it's not confined to police, and it's definitely not only worth our attention when someone dies. Today I'm joined by Golf Digest staff writer Joel Beal, who first reported on this story of the Grandview Five for Golf Digest. We'll also hear from two of the women involved in the incident a little bit later on. But we'll start with Joel, who is joining me via Zoom. Joel, who are the Grandview Five? The Grandview Five are part of a larger group called the Sisters in the Fairway, which is comprised of about two dozen or so minority female golfers in York County, Pennsylvania. This group would meet a few times a month to play golf at different area courses. However, they wanted to put Roots at a home base to really kind of establish some formality to their league. And they decided to join Grandview Golf Club, a semi-private course and one of the oldest courses in the uh, county. And just as they joined the club, Grandview falls under new management. Correct. A guy by the name of Jordan Cronster, who is the son of former York County Commissioner Steve Cronster, purchases the property. The Cronster family is a very powerful entity in York, not only because of Steve's political career, but the family has several real estate and business ventures in the area. So they're, they're definitely a well-known family. And this area, York County, what kind of history does it have with racial tension? Not great. Uh, a lot of it stems from race riots in the summer of 1969, when white and black gangs began openly fighting over a series of white on black crimes. A young black woman and a white police officer were killed during the unrest, and sentiments from those events still linger. Even just last year, a person distributed flyers with slurs 
racially insensitive comments aimed at minorities in political office. So clearly something the area is still dealing with. Got it. So as far as this story goes, things are pretty normal so far. We have a group of women, they're avid golfers, and they decided to join a golf club. So when does the trouble start? The trouble starts immediately. It's their first round as members of the course. That day, the woman had two tee times for six players. However, one of the sisters drops out. Because things are moving slow at the course, there's a morning tournament ahead of the woman. The sisters ask both the front desk and the starter if they can play as a fivesome. And they're given the green light to go ahead. Uh, additionally, they check with the group behind them, a threesome, who say it's okay. Feed off. Uh, by the time of the second hole, that's when we were approached. That's Sandra Thompson talking. She's one of the Grandview Five. She was in the fivesome that day. The other four, Mynika Ojo, Sandra Harrison, Karen Crosby, and Carolyn Doe. Now, Sandra Thompson, she's an attorney, and she's also the head of the local NAACP chapter in York. So she says the group waited on the second tee box for the group in front to clear the fairway. So Sandra and two other women hit longer tee shots than their playing partners, so they headed to their balls while the other two women lagged a bit behind. That's when Steve Cronister approached the two women further back in the fairway, my Nika Ojo and Karen Crosby. After that interaction, they looped in the rest of the group as to what happened. And basically, he was blaming our group for the delay. And they were very upset because, uh, you know, Karen uh, and Monica was expressing his demeanor, his attitude, his aggression. And, and most of all, and I can't speak for them to say most of all, but what they were greatly upset about is the fact that he was uh, attributing the wrong to us. A bit of context here. Remember, Joel mentioned there was a tournament that morning before the women teed off, and play had been slow at Grandview all day. And that's really why Sandra and the rest of the group were so off-put at first. They were being blamed on just their second hole of the day for slowing down a course that had been slow all day. The women also say they actually waited on the second tee box for the group in front of them to clear. So after that first interaction, Chronister walks away from the group. They're flustered, but they keep playing. Then he kind of walks through the trees and reemerges again by the second green. I thought, because I had not seen him when I came onto the course, I just assumed he did not know what was going on. I assumed he didn't know there was already a weather delay, and I assumed he didn't know there was a tournament that got behind. I was assuming he didn't know there was a whole line of golfers. So I tried to explain that to him, and he wouldn't. He didn't want to hear it. So uh, then I said, "You are. Do you realize that you're coming to us as the only women and the only black women on this course? How do we know? We could see the whole line of golfers waiting before they let everybody tee off. So we could see everybody." Um, and then, you know, and I also brought up, because this was right after Starbucks. The Starbucks incident she's referring to, it happened back in 2018. It was just a few hours east of York in Philadelphia. What happened was two black men walked into a Starbucks. They asked to use the bathroom, and they were told they couldn't because they didn't buy anything. So they sat down, and the police were called. 
one of the men ends up being taken out of the Starbucks in handcuffs. The whole thing was caught on a cell phone video, and that video was seen by millions. It turned into a pretty big deal. There were protests outside that Starbucks. The CEO apologized. It was national news, and all Starbucks stores actually closed for one afternoon so employees could undergo racial sensitivity training. And that was only two months before the Grandview incident and also in the state of Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. The incident was Starbucks. So um, going to people and making a big deal of them doing nothing and and casting blame. So, and since that made, that made, was so public, I asked them, I said, do you understand how this is just like that Starbucks situation? I'm just trying to get them to see uh, to be rational, and that's when again he went off and I know who you are. I know who you are. Don't talk that race stuff with me. Now he said he wanted us off the course. I said we weren't playing slow and we paid, so we want to stay. He said he wanted to refund our money. I said well, you know we're members, and he said well we'll refund your membership. So he didn't want anything to do with us. It's 2020, and we're all looking for ways to improve our health and hit our own personal goals this year. Whether it's being smarter about how we train, making a better effort to get more sleep, or simply thinking more about our body's overall wellness. I know I'm terrible with sleep. I don't know what are good night's sleeps, bad night's sleep. I need to get better at this. Today's sponsor, Whoop, is a fitness tracker that goes beyond counting steps and provides 24-7 fitness, sleep, and recovery insights personalized to you. There's nothing else like it on the market. Our lives cause different levels of stress on our body from training to work and our lives at home. Whoop understands that and quantifies it for you into actionable metrics. With Whoop, you'll get a daily recovery score that looks at biometrics like heart rate variability, resting heart rate, and your sleep performance to let you know how ready your body is to perform. You're also given insight into the intensity of your training in real time and track how strenuous your day is as well as get next-level sleep insight with suggested sleep times based on how strenuous your day is, track your sleep stages and cycles, and see how much sleep you got compared to how much you needed. Whether you're looking to be smarter about your fitness, better about your sleep, or be more mindful of your body's recovery, Whoop has you covered. If you're looking to be smarter about how you train, sleep, or recover, Whoop is offering my audience 15% with the code GD15. Go to whoop.com, that's W-H-O-O-P.com, and use the code GD15, capital G, capital D, 15, at checkout and optimize your performance with Whoop. Let's take a step back here. Here's what we know. Five women are on the golf course. They've played two holes, and they say they actually waited on the second tee box. The owner of the course then walks up to their group, says they're holding people up. He asks them to leave straight away. They refuse because they feel like they've done nothing wrong. He then offers to refund their membership, which they just bought. Again, they refuse. It is worth noting that all this information is coming from the women themselves. If you're wondering what the Chronister side of the story is, we were too. Joel reached out to the family before writing his story, and they declined to talk. And I reached out to the family and their lawyer before this podcast, and I did not receive a response. We do, however, have some access to the Chronister side of the story. It comes from the 911 call from Steve. That's the audio you heard back in the beginning. We're going to let it run a little bit longer this time. U.S. County 911, dispatcher 89. Let me have the border regional, please. We dispatch for them. How can I help you? 
Uh, yes. I'm a uh, big connoisseur with Randy Golf Club at Dover Township. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a tough situation here with a group of golfers that decides they don't want to buy by the rolls. Hello? I'm still here. I'm just typing information in. Hold and, on. And, and they're telling me that that I can't tell them what they have to do as far as the rolls, and they're uh-huh. just like, we're going to play this course. We don't care what you say. Okay. So I need to talk to an officer. Okay, you want an officer to come out there, or you just want a phone call? I, I do. Yeah, I want okay. to come out. Right, are you the manager there? Yeah. Where are they at on the golf course now? Uh, they're on the, sec- uh, the third hole. They're, I mean, they're holding everybody up as a group of five women that decided one's an attorney. She's already got a, <laughs> it's a long story. Oh. Uh, no weapons or anything like that, right? It's even worse than that. But anyway, I can't say that. Okay, so there's no weapons, right? No. no, no Is no, anybody no. intoxicated? Other, other than her mouth, uh, there's only weapon. We didn't learn about the phone call until later, like months later. And then when they asked about the weapon, he said her mouth. And that's another thing, whereas, again, um, black people are not supposed to speak up for to white people, and black women are not supposed, supposed to speak up either. So that is why my mouth was viewed as a weapon. Joel, we both play a ton of golf. The only time I've ever heard of police being called to the course is if there are weapons or violence involved, like a proper fight. Now, I hate slow play as much as the next guy, but even if the women were being slow, which it seems like they weren't, the police? Right. The police would be getting calls on an hourly basis from every course in America if slow play was a crime. In fact, officers said during a later hearing that this was the first slow play complaint they can ever remember receiving. The women themselves, they were just as surprised as anyone to hear the police were on the way. And your reaction when he told you the, that he had called the police was... I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm like, this is crazy. That's my Nika Ojo. She's another one of the Grandview Five. You know, all we wanted to do was to play. That's all it was. And so uh, we're like, you know, what are you calling the police for? And for my Nika, this brought back a painful memory from her childhood when she lived next to a golf club in Oklahoma. She was best friends with a white girl, and the white girl's family was actually a member of that golf club. And one day, the girl's father picked up my Nika to go swimming with his daughter at the club. And so when we went to swim, you know, we had our swim gear and and all of that. I was not allowed to swim there. Mm. And so my friend's father at that time uh, gave up his membership there. So despite all this, the women finish out their front nine. They say it takes them one hour and 45 minutes, which for a fivesome, that's pretty fast. Three of them then decide that they're going to leave. They're pretty shaken up about what's happened. They were singled out in their first round at what's supposed to be their new home club for doing nothing wrong. But Sandra and Mynika, they decide to stay. They want to keep playing. Things get uglier. Monique and I try to make the best of it because, again, my mindset is now that three left, you really don't have any reason to come to us. That's Sandra again. What she's saying is if the issue was pace of play, well, three of the women just left. So they're just down to a twosome. So playing slow, 
that wouldn't be an issue. Monika got one cart for the two of us because she was actually in the cart with Karen at the time. So then when we went back to uh, 10 or went to 10, that's when we saw the group behind us just come up to 10 as well. So since uh, we had taken that break and the group had arrived at 10, we told them to go ahead in front of us. That break she's referring to, it's crucial. Sandra says she and Monika took about 20 minutes to go to the bathroom and get snacks at the turn. Knowing they took a little while, they offered the group behind them to see if they wanted to play through, but the group refused. They want to go get some beers. We, uh, myself and Monika Ojo, approached uh, to tee off on the 10th, and that's when uh, we were sitting, because the 10th is right by the parking lot. So our cart was in the parking lot. So we were, I was actually crossing the grass and we got called back um, by those five men and, and told to stop that they wanted us off the course. And their reasons were multiple. They would change. First reason they gave is that we took a break. And I said, how? So the videos didn't start immediately upon them talking. The video started once we understood what they were saying and what they were trying to do. So there was some lapse in, in timing between their approach and the video. But their very first thing that they said is that we took a break, so they wanted us off, and you cannot take a break between um, holes. And so we pointed out to them, those guys are on break right now. <laughs> then they said, well, you took too long of a break. So then that's when we started. And honestly, that's when I did get flustered. So when I see that video, I don't even like myself on it because I'm like, okay, you are obviously flustered. Here's the audio from that cell phone video. The full thing's on YouTube. So what they're saying is that again we took 20 minutes but these group right here was right behind us that's sandra talking so if we took 20 minutes then that means that they came off of hole nine and they have not and they have not yet hard off on hole 10 then the group behind us had to take 20 minutes to get from nine to ten it's 128 you got off the green at not and so they're saying they want to kick us off and that's jordan chronister his dad is Steve, the former county commissioner, and the guy who approached the woman on the second hole. Jordan's wearing sunglasses in this video. He's a young guy, maybe 30, short goatee. He's moving around quickly. He's clearly agitated. His dad and another guy, they're telling him to calm down. Wait for the police, they say. He's doing that annoyed smile, the I can't believe you smile, where you're kind of shaking your head at the same time. And so they're saying they, they want to kick us off the hole. And this is former Commissioner Steve Chronister. Congratulations. You're, so, you're a real winner. So the they way. say they want to kick us off. Here's how my Nika sums up the situation. So, you know, so there's three different, you know, reasons. But really it all adds up to um, the fact that we were women and that we were black women. And for some reason, at that particular time, we were not fitting the status quo or, or we did not fit the definition of someone that they wanted playing at that course at that time.
If you're going to gamble on golf, you may as well do it right. And for any golf fan who's curious about betting on golf but hasn't gotten serious about it, we have the podcast for you. Be Right is Golf Digest's weekly gambling podcast featuring the latest PGA Tour intel and picks from an expert panel that is up nearly 300 units this season. That's a gambling term, by the way. With thoughts from some of fantasy sports' brightest minds and even an anonymous tour caddy at our side, we've done our best to turn betting on golf into a science to help you make money off golf. While we can't promise that you'll come out ahead every week, we can guarantee you'll be well-informed and entertained along the way. So stop doing golf wagers wrong and join us on Be Right. So the police do end up coming. They take the women's ID and they talk to the people who work at the club. They come back and tell the women that the Grandview people want them to leave, so they leave. Shortly thereafter, Sandra posts the video to Facebook, it goes viral, and this becomes a pretty big story. Which is no surprise, really. You have to remember golf's uneven history when it comes to inclusion, and that's putting it rather kindly. Clifford Roberts, who co-founded Augusta National, probably the most famous golf club on the earth, he's been quoted as saying, as long as I am alive, all the golfers here will be white and all the caddies will be black. Augusta didn't admit its first female member until 2012. But the problem, of course, is much bigger than just Augusta. There are still plenty of private clubs that don't allow women on the premises, and only 3% of recreational golfers are black. There's a reason golf has that stereotype of being elitist, the playground for rich white men. That didn't just appear from thin air. So this, the Grandview 5 incident, it's something of a perfect storm. You have a sport with a history of exclusion, you have an area with a tense racial history, you have a bunch of white men trying to get the police to take a group of black women off their course, and you have a cell phone video, and you have two sides telling completely different stories. Sound familiar? This became national news. NPR did a segment, so did The Daily Show with Trevor Noah. Like, I'm glad that nothing happened to the women, but I would like to hear the sports cast for that. If only there was an announcer who was like, okay, so they're teeing up and, uh, oh, a, a race war is breaking out in the fourth hole. And John Legend ended up tweeting about it, asking for people to, quote, please stop calling the police on black people who are just trying to live. So the video, that's what blew this story up. But something really crucial happens that we actually don't see in it. Back to our Joel Beal, who can explain. So at the end of the confrontation, one of the players in the threesome behind the sisters, a guy by the name of Jerry Higgins, heads over to Ojo and bends down, acting as if he's tying his shoes. What he's really doing is giving the woman his contact information. It's a moment that would loom large down the line. And was he the only one to rush the women's defense? Another player who played with Higgins, a guy named Damon Carter Mann, makes a post on Facebook that night writing the woman did nothing wrong in his estimation. However, once the story goes viral, a lot of state politicians come to the aid of the woman, now known as the Grandview Five, asking for a Pennsylvania Human Relations Commission investigation. Now, how this comes about is rare, as these things usually don't convene unless there's been a formal complaint. But given the publicity around this story, the women ultimately get their chance to make their case in a two-day meeting in June of 2018. There, the women give their testimony, which proves to be powerful. Monica Ojo says she couldn't play golf in the New York area because of Cronster's influence in the golf community. Karen Crosby says she wasn't comfortable going on a golf course like she was prior to the incident. Sandra Harrison actually breaks down on the stand, saying that they has infested their lives, bringing an unwanted target on their back. Sandra Thompson, though, just gets right to the point and says, we were the only African-American woman on the course. They treated us differently because of that. So the Chronisters, are they present during this? Do they participate in the hearing? 
The Chronister's past. It's very odd. In fact, they are mostly silent in the months after the incident. J.J. Chronister, Jordan's wife, issues a statement the day after the episode of the course where she's apologizing to the woman, really just saying, you know, this was on us, it was our bad. But then the next day, the club proper releases a statement backtracking from the apology and putting the blame on the women. But when given a chance to speak their side of the story, the Chronisters don't go to the hearing, which proves problematic because even though the women give their story, it's still just one side of the story. Even the police can only speak to the phone calls as they weren't present during the second hole and 10th confrontations. Here's that second statement in its entirety. Grandview currently has 2,400 members. In the past, players who have not followed the rules, specifically pace of play, have voluntarily left at our request as our scorecard states. In this instance, the members refused to leave, so we called police to ensure an amicable result. The members did skip holes and took an extended break after the ninth hole. We spoke with them once about pace of play and then spoke with them a second time. During the second conversation, we asked members to leave as per our policy noted on the scorecard. Voices escalated and police were called to ensure an amicable resolution. So at this point, it's a bit of a he said, she said situation. The women have testified and Grandview have released their statement, but neither account has been corroborated. But that changes, doesn't it? It does, thanks to Jerry Higgins, the man who played behind the sisters that day. Higgins is a manager at a local warehouse, and for the sake of the story, what has some importance, he's white. He goes ahead and tells the panel that he has never witnessed anything like he saw that day at Grandview. Quote, I saw everything. It's not right. He further testifies women have been friendly, that they showed great etiquette, and that they were far from slow. He additionally says that during the 10th tee confrontation, Jordan Cronster, and you can actually see this on the video, came up to apologize to him, and Higgins rebuffs him, saying the woman had done nothing wrong. According to Higgins, Jordan replied twice, it's not about that. By no means are we trying to downplay the woman's courage to testify, but Higgins is the key in their case. We should note again that Joel and I both reached out to the Chronisters, and they declined to participate to both of us. But for the sake of a complete picture, let's at least try to imagine what the Chronisters' side of the story might be. Slow play is certainly an issue that comes up on golf courses, and especially semi-public ones that get as much play as Grandview does. And anytime there's a five-some on the course, people are going to blame them for the holdup, even if they're not the reason for the holdup. So I guess the best case scenario here is, and this is giving the Chronisters the benefit of the doubt, that Steve Chronister drove up to the five-some on the second hole because he earnestly believed that they were the ones holding everyone up. And then maybe Mynika or Sandra became combative. After all, even Sandra acknowledges that she was flustered. And then maybe Chronister was trying to be extra strict with them to set a tone because it was their first round as members at the club. And if he did ask them to leave and they did refuse, then I suppose he is within his legal right to call the police. Maybe it really did have nothing to do with the fact that they were the only black woman on the course that day. You'd like to think so, but we can only go on what we know. Back to the case. Jerry Higgins has now testified and backed up the Grandview Five's account of what happened. So things are looking good for the women's case, right, Joel? It seems like they have some momentum. Big time. The woman and those covering the hearing believe it's an open and shut matter at this point. Instead, the PHRC comes out a month later in July and announces there will be a second hearing, giving the Chronisters another chance to testify. But again, the Chronisters pass, um, which then freezes the case for 20 months without any real explanation. 
the Grandview Five actually file a formal complaint, trying to get an answer for the delay, uh, which the PHRC, they issue a formal apology and blame the stasis on red tape and budget cuts. Um, the, the Grandview Five are furious, uh, rightfully so. Uh, as Monique Ojo would later tell me, quote, from the beginning, we trusted the process. We wanted to do everything in good faith. We wanted to give the governor the courtesy of seeing this through with the hearing. And yet, they are basically left hanging because of their faith in the system. And in the middle of this, Steve Cronister decides to do something pretty bold. He decides he wants his old seat back. He actually runs for county commissioner again. How does that campaign go? It's a circus. As it comes out, the racism, sexism claims are not Cronister's only problems. It's discovered he has massive amounts of debt, that his house has been foreclosed on, that there are lawsuits filed by contractors who are never paid. There's an issue about operating without an expired real estate license. It's just kind of all over the place. Additionally, he does an interview in May of 2019 with the York Daily Record, an interview he asserts that he's not a racist, but that maybe, quote, he doesn't know what a racist is. He also says he refused sensitivity training. And perhaps the most really odd thing, he tries to parallel what he experienced to that of Jesse Smollett, which, if you may remember, is the actor who allegedly staged a hate crime incident in Chicago. Uh, Cronister blames the woman for a loss of $150,000 to the course. It's just an interview, frankly, that's all over the place. Uh, shortly after the election is held, Cronister ends up finishing fourth in the race with just 12% of the vote. But he's not the only one who ran for office. I actually became the first African-American mayor of Hanover, Pennsylvania. That's my Nika. Three of the other women also run, though unsuccessfully. Sandra Thompson for a judge seat in the Court of Common Pleas, Sandra Harrison for Profonitary, and Karen Crosby for County Commissioner. It wasn't planned that we all ended up doing it. It just, um, it just came together that way. And um, it, was a, it was a really good experience. That's such a strong move. You have this horrible, embarrassing thing happen to you, and instead of just being bitter or trying to get people in trouble, they go out and run for office to try to enact change. But back to this story. Joel, how does this thing resolve itself in the courts? So in late January of 2020, the PHRC finally makes its ruling, and that is that there's probable cause of racism, sexism in the case of the Sisters in the Fairway against Grandview Golf Course, granting the women the right to sue. Uh, a private whole, uh, meeting was announced for February 11th, but the Chronisters again declined to participate, wanting a public hearing instead. Steve Chronister would later offer free golf lessons to the Grandview Five as a proposed settlement, which the woman turned down. As Sandra Thompson told me, quote, why would we ever want to be near him again? It showed he's still clueless. So what's our takeaway here? We've had a black man... Tiger Woods as the face of this sport for over 20 years now. But if we thought that was going to solve racial relations in this sport, we were probably wrong. Yeah, we were way wrong. And as you mentioned, we've had Tiger Woods for almost 25 years, and yet just 3% of recreational golfers are black. Um, When we published this article, the feedback, frankly, was heartbreaking. A lot of female and minority golfers reached out saying how they don't feel welcome, that they feel like there's a stigma placed on their games when they show up to a golf course. Most of us have witnessed this firsthand. A group of men see a group of women on the golf course, and they make a joke. Now, we might think there's no malicious intent here, that we're simply joking around, but it all adds up to that stuffy and unwelcoming atmosphere that turns so many away from this wonderful game. And while we can't say we've heard many other, or really any other, cases of the police being called, far too many people feel unwanted on the golf course. 
They feel like they're a burden, like there are extra eyes and heightened attention on them. And that's terrible, and it's something we need to address if we're going to grow this game. And how does this fit into the larger discussion we're having in this country right now? Back to Sandra. Well, I think it fits in to say that Black Lives Matter, um, and that's all a, a part of looking at them as equal, worthy of equality, worthy of protection, worthy of respect, um, because I believe that people who weaponize police against people of color, whether they be Black or Latino, is the mindset of superiority that they believe that this person is inferior to me, therefore I have the right to use the police to communicate that to this person. Local Knowledge is produced by Greg Gottfried with editorial guidance from Sam Weinman. Our music is by underscore ghost via CC Mixter. You can subscribe to Local Knowledge wherever you get your podcasts, and we welcome a review as well. As mentioned earlier, for expert picks, betting advice, and insights into the action on PGA Tour, please also make sure you subscribe to our Be Right podcast as well.